millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. I'm John Norman and pleased to say we have got an hour of uh, radio gold ahead of us because uh, what else can uh, occur off the back of arguably the greatest series of all time? We're going to be looking back at an incredible four test series between Australia and England uh, with a man who knows a thing or two about playing in greatest series, Steve Harmison and uh, a cricket historian who can tell us just where this series ranks and uh, between the three of us, as well as Chaitan Narilla, the Indian broadcaster, will pop up for a, uh, for a section. Just uh, dissect a wonderful topsy-turvy uh, come from behind victory for India in the uh, early uh, hours of the morning UK. Lots to get on with, so uh, let's do exactly that. We are talking on the Cricket Collective about Australia against India. Well, gentlemen, um, Jared, as I was going to bed last night uh, after day four with forecasts of rain on day five, never believe the weather forecast, by the way, my motto in life continues. Um, I was thinking about what my opening question to you was going to be, and, and I'd already decided to ask you the question that is about to be asked. And then the events of day five. And it's so fitting. In, in a weird way, it would have probably been more fitting if day five had been washed out to rain. That would just would have been cricket in a nutshell for you, wouldn't it? As a man who has literally studied every single test series <laughs> in the history of the game to, and wrote, written a book about it, was this series the greatest ever? Oh, that's a big cause, isn't it? Do you know what? I am... Um... When I, when I wrote my book, I didn't want to write too much about 05 Ashes or 01 Australia because there's no doubt that this was a better series than 01. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, 05 Ashes, uh, I mean, I don't know, but it's um, when it comes to what happened on the field, the ridiculous nature of it, the, the theatre that Australia-India bring off the field 
from, you know, everything from Steve Smith's foot uh, through to people heckling um, Virat Kohli's wife for having a baby. Uh, it has been just a phenomenally weird, captivating series. If you're asking me right now, I would struggle to find a better series than it. Uh, if you give me more than three hours sleep, I might be able to give you a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a bit like, it reminds me of what happened when uh, Ben Stokes made played his innings and everyone's like, it's just the greatest innings ever. And you're just like, look, I'm not saying that your question's wrong. What I'm saying is, I haven't fully processed what just happened. If you could give me a second, I might come back to you. But certainly, it's one of the great test series of all time. Made even better by the fact that India made themselves into an underdog, which I didn't think in modern cricket was even possible anymore. Steve uh, Harmison, you were part, you got, you got an MBE off the <laughs> back of it. You were part of the 2005, the DVD, I've got the DVD, the <laughs> greatest there, ever series. As someone who starred in it, um, as someone who played his part in quite a few amazing series, 0405 in South Africa springs to mind. Was this the best series? Was this is 2021 Australia versus India? Is this the greatest series ever? Yeah, I'm like Jared. I think it's it's up there. I think it's difficult to com compare series because of the actual participants in it. When I look at this series, I look at this series and think this was just as eventful off the field than it was on the field or just as eventful, not in sort of competition play because of, you know, the sledging that went on, Steve Smith, you know, doing that, the amount of bowlers that India have used, you know, the, the headaches that Australia had it right at the very start when they're probably three weeks out before the first test match against India, they had to settle opening pair picks. They had a team that's thinking, right, we're going to go hard at these Indians. Then all of a sudden, you know, openers didn't play, makeshift openers come in, all this stuff that went with it, the COVID. I think everything that captivated off the field was just as good as what it was on the field. So I think it's right up there with the, the level of um, the level of theatre, like Jared said, of what the series was. Actual participants in the 2001, 2000, Australian, India, 2001, some of the greats of the game went toe-to-toe -to -toe in that that series. Arguably similar in 2005. The For me, to the greatest side that's ever played the game in my generation, in my lifetime, that Australia side in both of them, the level of competition in cricket that was involved in both of them probably outweighs what happened in this series. But for the theatre, the drama and everything that went into it, I think that of it, that side of it's better than 2001 and 2005. Actual cricket, possibly not as not as competitive as what the other two were, but every bit as every bit as thrilling and you know enthralling to watch. I would say that there's something else that 2005 Ashes had and 2001 had um, that maybe just pushes it above what we've seen here. Although in a, in a way. I'm going to counter my own point, but you had characters. And I think this is one of the problems that England have got. There's very, very few characters in that 11 now. Stokes, that's about, that's about it really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's it, right? 2005, you had, you had the greatest side of all time. I don't need to list them. But on the English side, you also had characters. characters. Yourself, Flintoff, KP. Um, and that just makes it more interesting. And this is what this series has had. The characters, Australia always come up with characters. 
and you've got them in this side. So they, they tick all those boxes. Where it kind of changed is the fact that, of course, there's only two people in the India side who played in all five test matches, mm. Pujara and also Rahane. And Rahane didn't start out as captain, so you could almost argue his role changed as well. That is absolutely unheard of. Added to the fact that, like 2005 and 2001, the, the, the winning sit, uh, team came from behind uh, to win the series. Again, that's not something that happens very often in cricket. But one of the things that you'd have to say does put this series ahead of 2000 and 2005 is that it was the visiting team that won. And that, again, if you look at all the statistics, that, that should never have happened. And to happen at the Gabba as well, Jared, you know, that Tim Payne, he will never, ever be remembered for anything more <laughs> than his his chirping to Ashwin saying, I can't wait to get you at the Gabba. That will be replayed for the rest of his life. Well, to overcome the Gabba, so the last team to win at the Gabba was the West Indies with a near full strength West Indies side. I think it, actually, I think it was the greatest West Indies side that ever played. And by that, I mean, it was the team that played the most. So I think the most... Most tests by 11 players ever is 11 tests. And I think it was that team that won at the Gabba was that 11 players that played. So they played the most of any uh, one lineup ever has. They were incredible. I'm not sure you can compare that <laughs> to a team where you've got Washington Sunder who hasn't played in a thousand, hasn't played first class cricket in a thousand days. Uh, you've got, I mean, literally it was a, it was a pandemic hit side for India up against a full strength Australian side. You'd say their weaknesses in the Australian side. I think that's fair, but it was a full strength Australian side. Then you've got just the Gabba as a general thing, as you've already talked about. People don't chase at the Gabba. People don't win at the Gabba. <laughs> um, you know, India wasn't expected to do particularly well uh, at the Gabba uh, as a general rule. And, you know, if you go back to, you know, sorry, sorry to bring this up, although Harmi's probably okay with this. He missed most of this era, but Goffey may not want to hear this. But if you go back to the 80s and 90s, every time England had a tour where there was 90, uh, you know, 20 guys playing or 15 guys um, in the 11, you know, it meant that someone had been sent home in disgrace and three other guys had been caught by the tabloids doing something and there'd be four different keepers and five different captains. And India had all that and they kept getting better as the series went on. I mean, this was a... I mean, if you look at the Sydney test, they were really good in the Sydney test, but that was a declaration match. You know, that they didn't have to get all 20 wickets in. They had to get all 20 wickets in this one. Australia probably would have kept batting on. You know, Australia knew that India could do this. Absolutely incredible, you know, the sort of the levels of difficulty that they kept putting on top of everything, uh, you know, step after step. I mean, you talk about not all the players playing in all the tests. Rishabh Pant wasn't picked in the first test. He wasn't even, you know, he ended up being this incredible star. Siraj, if Bhuveshwar Kumar, Ishant Sharma, Umesh Yudhav, Muhammad Shabi, and Jasprit Bruma, all maybe if you got one or two injuries in that, Siraj doesn't even play. He just, you know what I mean? Um, you know, it's a ridiculous situation to be there. And then even in that last test when they win, Saini injured himself. You know, he barely bowled in the first innings. <laughs> he came back, I think he bowled what, a spell in the second innings where he looked like me bowling. He was he was so cooked. <laughs> Just ridiculous. The hurdles and hurdles they kept putting on in, in front of themselves, which you usually don't do in tests. It was, it, you know, to come back from that is incredible. 
A quick question. Uh, we're going to talk more, much more about this, but we were both at Headingley in 2019. Um, and the question I remember being asked, and I think I asked you, was at what point did you think to yourself, hang on, England could win this? <laughs> um, and I really noticed that the crowd very, very early on were really connected and enthused and energised um, and seemingly believed that England could do it when they were well, well short. You stayed up all night. You've been writing some brilliant stuff throughout the series. At what point did you think, hang on, India are going to win this? Uh, it's a really good question. I think, you know, I've written a lot about chases in fourth innings. And I think everyone thinks they happen all the time now because we've seen a, a bunch recently. But when you factor in how many tests are played, I think the percentage actually went down. It may have gone up now thanks to, you know, um, Kusel and Stokes and, and this test. But it's really hard to chase over 300. They were just so in control. And every time you looked at them in the middle, you went, well, if Pachara's got one end and they just keep finding someone who slogs a couple at the other end, they're a huge chance. So almost from maybe halfway through the, the second session, you were like, Australia can't take enough wickets. Australia can't win. So the only thing that can happen here is the pitch plays up and India have to play for a draw. That was all you could see that was happening. Um, and it's very rare in a chase like that that you feel that comfortable. But in the end, it, it, I think it was justified. They got their seven wickets down, and that was only because they had to, you know, put put their foot down. <laughs> Realistically, you know, it was how much of that was just that again, Pat Cummins bold godlike level. Uh, the rest of the Australians, you could kind of handle them. So yeah, I think from midway through the day, it was like this is India's match to lose, which is such a bizarre thing to think in a three hundred chase with a second string batting lineup at the Gabba. Uh, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with myself, John Norman, Jarrah Kimber and Steve Harmison. Loads to talk about. Where now for Tim Payne? Where now for Australia? Nathan Lyon, will there be question marks about him? Um, the much vaunted pace attack should actually some fresh legs have been brought into that Gabba test match. And what kind of India side are England going to face? Uh, we're going to speak to Chaitan Narola as well. He's uh, going to be exhausted uh, after also getting up early and being put through the ringer. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I can't wait for you to the Gabba, Ash. There you are. She's never done Just like you want to get into India. Will you be a last three? Maybe you were selected here as well. I've had this in the past about wait till we get you to Perth. I mean, oh, I'm scared. I'm really scared. But they did the same to him and said, wait till we get you to the Gabba. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like they're going to pick a different player. There's a certain point where how how great a person is he if he has to go around telling everyone else that he has more friends <laughs> than everyone else? What Tim Payne said to Ashwin was, my job's on the line here. I'm under pressure. And he's come out and said something that he, he didn't need. I don't think he would have said it a year ago. I don't even think he would have said it six months ago. But I think this guy, his job's on the line. And I think he's realising that. And I think that's why he said what he said. That's it! It's down! Payne grasps it. And it punches out of his hand. And hits the ground. Is that the victory gone right there? It's full. It's down the ground. It'll be at least one. Saini. I'm loving it, mate. Look, I'm going to cop heaps of black. I know that. I've been absolutely belted by the Indians for about seven days. It's been, uh, it's been interesting. You're listening to Cricket Collective on Talksport Two. 
myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison and Jared Kimber. Looking back at the series, uh, pretty much of all the classic series, this one uh, deserves to be mentioned in the same breath. Um, Jared went out for Tim Payne then. I know he was asked about his captaincy, but once again, you know, it's fine margins, but they, they were his fine margins to essentially control. He should have walked away from England, the first Australian captain to win the Ashes mm. in England. Jimmy Anderson injured in first session, Superman coming in at number uh, number three. And of course, he, how he got England to bat first at the Oval in the, in the fifth test, I still don't understand. And of course, um, DRS uh, in uh, at Headingley. I'm sorry, but same thing in this series. Australia should have won this series. And if they'd taken their catches, uh, if he'd taken his catches <laughs> in the uh, in the third test, they would have won the series. It's as simple as that. So I, I know he was... Well, let's actually hear from him, actually. He was talking uh, after the game. I've said many times in the last two or three years, mate, that I, I don't look past the next series. I'm 36 years old. Like I said, I, I'm loving doing my job. It's a difficult job. And at times like this, it's it can be bloody hard work when you're copying it left right and center but um that's what i signed up for i didn't play my best cricket at times in this series but but that can happen so i said i'll i'll go away i'll look to get better um look to improve certain parts of my game for, for the next series and, and again i won't be looking past that series so australian captain tim payne there jared asked the question again where now for tim payne as captain of the australian cricket team I'm pretty sure you asked me last week, and I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think much has changed. I, I don't believe that there is a wicketkeeper that they think is better than Tim Payne at the moment. Uh, Alex Carey is probably who they're going to bring in. Alex Carey is not a particularly good first-class cricketer. Uh, the other guys are good. There's a couple of good T20 players and younger players, but I'm not sure there's a wicketkeeper ready. So that is confusing. Unless they go back to Steve Smith, there's no captaincy <laughs> option either. So you've got Pat Cummins is probably the best next best option maybe Nathan Lyon you've got him under the pump as well so it's a really weird situation that they've found themselves in they haven't been making leaders for a long time I remember it must have been about seven or eight years ago now they uh, Victoria were forced or suggested to drop uh, Cameron White as captain to bring in Matthew Wade as captain because Australia was looking around the cupboard going uh, we need to create some captains here and you know seven eight years later they have not created any potential um, captains out there um, even guys like George Bailey like George Bailey a couple of years ago probably might have had to come in and done what Tim Payne has done now but he's uh, retired I think he's on the coaching staff uh, at the moment so it's it's a very very weird situation but you're right I mean I thought Looking back, and, and this is very, very weird, but looking back, they celebrated the win um, against England when they were 2-1 up in that Ashes series way too early. They think they, they thought they'd broken England's spirit. They partied like they'd won the entire series. They make a mistake at the Oval. They played poorly at the Oval as well. England come back. It's a bit similar. I think they just thought they would win in Sydney. You know, um, I, I think Melbourne was fine. I, India isn't that much worse a team. Full strength. Let's let's take away whatever just happened in that test. But full strength, India that isn't that much worse of a team. But I think they got, you know, they just thought they would win in Sydney. And it's also worth saying that they played David Warner when he was playing. I don't know if you can be on one leg if you've got an injured groin, but he couldn't walk in Sydney. They played Mitchell Stark in this test, knowing that he wasn't fully fit, knowing that he wasn't at top speed. They threw all their best players at this series. 
Payne had pretty much everyone he wanted other than missing out Warner just for a little time. They still don't have opening batsmen, no matter what they say. They still have weakness right throughout the middle order. They they didn't trust their all-rounder that much. And when they did trust him, he didn't, didn't take any wickets either. And Payne made mistakes with the gloves. He had an okay series with the bat. And uh, captaincy, again, he looked a little bit bereft. But I'm not sure what... what what decision they could make now other there wouldn't be knee jerk to get rid of him. I just I don't see how that improves them when they've got they've got a tour of South Africa in, you know, what 25 minutes time. Jared, do you not think I know the all the stuff that is gone with Tim Payne and stuff that he had with Ashwin didn't help and everything, you know, that's gone on this morning out in what, last night out in Australia. But the real problem for Australia is they're not scoring runs at the top of the order. And that, for me, would far outweigh any captaincy issues. What? Because if you, I look in this series so far. You've had eight innings in this series so far. Five out of the eight innings, Australia have been two or three down before 50, mm. 50 runs. Now, if anybody was asking me, I haven't. I've never won in Australia. But if anybody's asking me, the key to success to win in Australia is getting first innings runs on the board. And if you're cons- consistently being you know, two down, three down, then there's an issue. The captaincy, if you've got good senior players like, and if he is a good senior player, the likes of Steve Smith and, and Warner and the bowling attack that you've got, you could potentially bring in a young captain, somebody, somebody a novice, stick him in at number six and you know, give, him a, give him a chance to captain and mould his side. Like they did years ago with, you know, probably like Alan Border. I remember talking to David Boone for years about how good Alan Border did. You know, there are, you know, South Africa did it with Graham Smith. So there are there are options out there that ca- can captain the team. But if you're not getting runs at the top of the order, you can't win test matches. And we are talking about Australia with the, for me, the best four bowlers in world cricket when they're together, especially in their conditions. In, in Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins and, and Lyon. So, yeah, the captaincy is one thing, but the top of the order is a whole new ball game for Australia. And if they don't get that right... No matter how good the bowling attack is, they ain't they ain't going to win test matches. No, they're, they're they're fundamentally not going to change who they are as a side by 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 dumping Tim Payne. And there will be calls for it, and it may even happen. But they are a flawed side. If you go back to to the you know nineteen Ashes, no, no one was saying they were an incredible side. What they were saying is that they had five, six, seven players who were just next level. Yeah. And they have had those players. I mean, they almost won a World Cup with, what, five or six players. They they weren't that far away quite a few times, even in the series that they've lost. It's been the same thing. And this basically, since Chris Rogers retired, they have struggled at the top. I mean, you talk about these young batsmen, uh, you know, young a young captain coming in. I mean, Alan Border was already averaging close to 50, I think, at that stage. Graham Smith was a behemoth um, who challenged Sean Pollock to a duel when he was left out of 2003 World Cup squad. Those are huge um, personalities. The only two gun young batsmen in Australia have um, Manus Labuschagne, who has been kind of picked on by his own team and, and is this weird personality, and Will Pekoski, who is and work you know problems with concussion and depression. Those are really good batsmen. I don't think giving them the captaincy is going to change anything. Fundamentally, your, your original point is true. They don't have a strong, well, let's say top six. Yeah. They don't have a strong top six. Payne, you know, is an average number seven. Warner is flawed when he goes away from home. And when he's in form, we know he's almost unstoppable. Steve Smith is 
probably the best test batsman since uh, Bradman, certainly in terms of actual runs scored per test. And then you've got, if Manus keeps batting the way he is and doesn't get worked out, you've got something there. But you've just got this fluctuation between what, what those three guys who can bat can do and what you're putting in around them. And that's why you end up being, you know, two for 10 and uh, two for 45 and, and those sorts of things. And then you, you fall apart. And India, you could hear the chatter with India quite a bit was, you know, we're not far away here. And Australia would be two or three down. You know, it used to be that you, you, you had Brad Haddon or Adam Gilchrist coming in at number seven. I don't think teams felt that way back then. Whereas now teams just feel that Australia is a little bit weak. When you have the best three seam bowling um, unit in world cricket, and a really top level 400 wicket taking almost, um, t- you know, a test bowler, a test spinner, you can overcome so many of those problems. But it's a bit like when England had that lineup where they had all their all rounders and they still didn't have a very strong batting lineup. What happens is you have great win and then a confusing loss and then a great win and then an embarrassing loss. And that's what Australia's been doing, just sort of fluctuating between that. They can't win consistently because they can't consistently score over 350. And when it comes down to it, that is not Tim Fain's fault. Um, you talk about the, the lack of runs. You're absolutely right. And they didn't have Steve Smith performing, you know, miraculous deeds in the middle order. And that that really showed the team up. Um, you only have to go back to the 2017 18 Ashes, even the 2013-14 Ashes, both those successes were built essentially on, on one batsman and Brad Haddon usually, uh, and then Steve Smith and one other. Um, so this problem has been there for quite a while, but how disappointing will it be for Australia? You talk about the best bowling attack in world cricket. They had a chance to bowl out India on day five at the SCG. They couldn't manage it. They had a chance to bowl out India at the Gabba on day five, they didn't do it. So yes, bats batting, but that kind of, how, how do we sit with that? You know, we talk about, we hold them up, these guys, as the best. I can't think of a better bowling attack, but when it came to it, they fluffed their lines. But the, but the, the thing from a bowler's point of view, sorry, Jared, I'll just come in just a second. The thing from a bowler's point of view, you know, once that bowling with a cookable ball, once it goes a bit softer, you know, then it comes. It's it is very, very difficult to um to sort of penetrate and go through a side, bang, bang, bang. Unless it's turn and Sydney, fourth innings, you've got you you're in the game, especially if you've got my experience, Shane Warne. But I, I actually think it is it is very, very difficult to sort of blast through a side on any sort of surface when the cookable ball goes soft, comes back to the the run scoring, scoreboard pressure. If you've got runs on the board, and I know India chase 300 and 360 unheard of, but there is there is there are times where that the anomaly comes in. But I, I do I do sometimes think when the ball does go soft, it is very very difficult on any surface in Australia to penetrate and go through a side, no matter how good your bowlers are. But what you have had in the past is scoreboard pressure with runs on the board. You know, first innings runs is huge. And and for me, I'll, I'll go back to, if you don't score runs in Australia, you don't win cricket matches, no matter how good your bone attack is. It's, I, I think it's, there's really a couple of things. I think um, Harmony's right about the ball, but also the Sydney pitch and the Brisbane pitch didn't, just didn't um, fall apart. No. Which I, and and that's, not, that's not giving the Australian bowlers um, an excuse because they've run through a lot of teams before when that hasn't happened. But what I would say is that Mitchell Stark 
looked shot in the last two matches, and that they were the two that they needed him to stand up. And Nathan Lyon didn't didn't stand up at all all series. He just couldn't take wickets. So if we're talking about the best bowling uh, attack, and I think the best seam bowling attack, I think you know, well certainly India at full strength if they ever get to full strength ever again is probably a slightly stri- a stronger attack because they can play five frontline bowlers. But when it comes down to it. Two of the bowlers didn't stand up for two of the most important tests. And you could, I don't think you can blame Hazelwood or Cummins. I think they were incredible right to the end. But at the other end, it just wasn't there for them. And uh, that, that seems to be what keeps happening to Australia. A player or two players stand up and you don't get a full team effort. And realistically, they only needed one full team effort to put India away in this series. It could have been at Melbourne. It could have been at Sydney and it could have been at Brisbane. They never got one. And that has been the story of the last couple of years for them. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2. Myself, Steve Harmison, and Jarrah Kimber. After the break, we will be joined uh, by Chaitan Narula uh, straight out of India to find out exactly how this series win has gone down. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Gold him! Paddy Cummins, so often the man for Australia. Easy catch. Etched. Gone. Etched and gone. Just do 
Looks like a retired hurt. Australia could not have wished for anything more this morning. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2. Myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, Jared Kimber, and I am delighted to say we can cross to uh, Delhi now to get the reaction from Chaitan Narula, who, like Jared, has been up for most of the night. He's been broadcasting for uh, um, uh, All India Radio, uh, covering this uh, amazing series. Just give us an idea, Chaitan, of the reaction back home. Oh, elation. That's the first first word. And uh, shock, awe. I mean, um, this is... This is unprecedented. I mean, 2001, it's been 20 years uh, since we've seen anything like this. Uh, one glorious moment that comes to mind is uh, MS Dhoni's six at the World Cup final. But again, that was just ODI cricket. Test cricket is uh, much more uh, lengthy and it just, like I said, drains you emotionally. Um, this series has been really, really tough just to just to witness it, given how many issues there were with the COVID situation, with the bio bubble, and of course, uh, Virat Kohli on, on paternity leave and so many players getting injured left, right and centre. It's almost like a hospital ward, uh, not an Indian dressing room. So uh, nobody gave them a chance, but they have fought back and fought back so well, so hard. And uh, nobody really expected this. So elation, like I said, and uh, along with that, some surprise as well. Chin, what's it done for, what's it going to do for, actually for Jared as well, what's it going to do for Indian Test Match cricket? Because, you know, we look at how many players have used and there's probably the likes of Sundar, Thakur, who had a great Test Match, and Naturan. They might only play one or two Test Matches in their career. Is this, the, the Test Match, because it's so white ball dominated Indian cricket and IPL and probably 50 over cricket, before the 2011 World Cup win, you're thinking, where is where is 50 over cricket going to go? But was Test match cricket slowly getting pushed to one side because of the because of how big IPL was and one day cricket is? And has this just sort of put this back on the the forefront of the of the population of India? Well, well, Test cricket never really went away in that manner. I mean, it's always been there because it's it's the it's the most prominent format, and it's not just because you know the players come out and say that you know. The primacy of test cricket has always been there because at the end of the day, T20 cricket is just slam bang. Even if it's scientific, scientific as Jared would say, it's scientific slam bang now. Uh, ODI, much more like a chess game, but still, test cricket has that primacy. But but you have to be very careful in analyzing it because you look at the broadcasts or the broadcasters and the financial terms that they have put out and what is going to be the next broadcast right cycle. So test cricket has to take a step back there's no doubt about it. We have to be prepared for the realities of a post-COVID era as well. But as far as, uh, you know, bringing new uh, or new audiences into the test cricket fold, uh, I'm not sure if it's done anything for that except uh, recreate that love or recreate that attachment for the longer format of the game. Because there's so many, just a small example, there's so many questions about Cheteshwar Pujara's strike rate, for example. I'm sure over the last two test matches, when you look at Hanuma Vihari batting 100 deliveries, or Ashwin batting 100 deliveries and the way they've chased today uh, batting around Pujara. I think the newer generation will probably start to accept Test cricket or assimilate Test cricket a bit more in, in, into this cricketing psyche. I, I think it's almost the best case scenario if you, if you think about it from one perspective is there's never been more people who are 
uh, have access to cricket in India than you have right now. So the IPL has opened it up to women um, and to people from other regions, you know, non-traditional Indian background. I mean, we always think of everyone in India loving cricket, but it's not always been the case right across the country. The IPL has opened that up. And what you have is, it, it was hilarious watching the, the series and having people say to me, you know, I'm Siraj isn't any good. I've seen him bowl for RCB. He's just like, my man, that, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares how he bowls for R- RCB. And you actually saw... Fans between, I would say between the ages of about 15, 16 to probably 30, start to work this this out. And they're already cricket fans and they already want India to win. And suddenly they had something that they could attach. It was so entertaining. And it's not like India and Australia played a really good, you know, some really good test series over the last couple of years. Uh, the last one in Australia, uh, sorry, the last one in India was an incredible test series as well. There was also VVS Laxman, you know, squirting by uh, eight wickets down to beat Australia a couple of years ago as well. This is, this was four tests of incredible theatre in front, it played out in front of everyone because of COVID, because, you know, you couldn't look away. I just think it has a chance of energising people and educating people to what the, the game is. I'm not sure it would create any more new cricket fans, but it probably allows some of them to go, oh, this, i tell you what it was. When we used, I used to talk to young Indian fans, they used to say that test matches were for their uncles or from their fathers. I'm not sure that they're saying that right now. And that arguably what happened with 2005 Ashes uh, in exactly, this country. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what happened. But Chetty, what about, what about Rishi Pant? He's gone from oh. overweight, he's gone from overweight, out of every franchise, not wanting to be picked up by an IPL, you know, out of every team in India, to not playing in the first test match, to coming off in Brisbane, an absolute superstar. Has the penny finally dropped for Rishi Pant? Absolutely. There's there's no doubt about no doubt about it. He was always considered a future star of Indian cricket. I think the future has arrived. Uh, there's always going to be this debate about his wicket keeping and his batting temperament and all, but. You know, you can't beat the fact that he almost took India to the verge of victory in Sydney, uh, at least gave them a hope of victory in Sydney when there was none, when they were actually looking to bat out the, uh, to bat out the day. And again, today, when again, there was, uh, there was no, really hope, no real hope. Because how many times have you seen five and over being chased in the last hour of a day five of test cricket? You haven't seen it in any part of the world. Um, 9.9 out of 10 times, it's not going to happen. But today was that 0.1 time. And who did it? It was Rishabh Pant. I think uh, Shubman Gill set it up. Rishabh Pant finished it. Like I said, the future is now. The future for Indian cricket, Indian test cricket, especially has arrived. And just to add on to Jared's points there, uh, with, with Shubman Gill, and Rishabh Pant, you know, those were the youngsters, those 15, 16 year olds. They, these are the ones they look up to, the likes of Shubman Gill and Rishabh Pant. Suddenly they're seeing them do well in test cricket. It might not be a new audience, but it will certainly bring a new wave of fans um, back in love with test cricket. There's already so much excitement building up for the India England series. I was going to ask, neatly done there, uh, Chaitin. I was about to. <laughs> I know they've announced the squad for the first two test matches, but what what will be the starting eleven for that series? Uh, off the top of my head, if it has to be, uh, if I can, uh, Shubman Gill, Rohit Sharma, Pujara, Kohli, Rahane, that's your top five. Then number six is very interesting because they have Kale Rahul and they have Hardik Pandya. Hardik Pandya usually does not feature in Indian test squads at home because you don't really need that pace bowling all-rounder. Um, 
and Jareja is not there, first of all. So that's that's an interesting bit because he's been playing as a pure batsman and he can really give an impetus to the to the to the innings uh, later on in the middle order. So he could play at number six, then number seven, Rishabh Pant. Um, again, I think he should be picked now as the keeper batsman, even in India. Uh, then you have Ashwin, who is expected to be fit. Uh, you have two other spinners, Kuldeep Yadav and uh, Akshar Patel, to choose from. Uh, left-arm variety. I don't think Washington Sundar will play is if Ashwin is playing. And then you have Bumrah, who is part of an Indian test squad at home for the first time. Ishan Sharma is back. And, uh, of course, Shadul Thakur has also been re- retained. So, uh, Ashwin, Kuldeep, or... Uh, Akshar Patel for the left-arm variety, and uh, Akshar Patel can bat a bit as well. So uh, you also have Ishan Sharma, and I'm looking forward to just Preet Bumrah uh, bowling in India. Um, I don't know if you do ticker tape parades in India. Uh, we had uh, we had Trafalgar Square in 2005. We used I used to watch Alan Border getting ticker tape parades until Australia just got a bit bored <laughs> of beating England. But you know, if we weren't living in these COVID times, what kind of re- response? What kind of scenes would that India squad have arrived back in India to witness? Well, first of all, I would be sitting in Brisbane right now. (laughs) And I think Jared would be there as well. Um, And uh, we would absolutely be working working hard right now and probably looking to go and get a drink at the end of it. But having said that, I think uh, uh, people have really enjoyed themselves today. Uh, I've got messages from all my friends who've been working in their offices hard at work. Uh, You won't expect to hear from them at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So you can just say, just see that it's not just people who are following cricket day in and day out. It's everybody who is on it, working from home, working from their offices. They've been following the scores. And if, if people are texting for so long, I'm sure uh, in terms of their office groups and office chats, the talk has been there. And like I said at the top of the show or top of my segment, really, elation is the word. India, Australia, we don't really play Pakistan too much. India, Australia is the pinnacle of cricketing rivalry for Indian cricket now. No disrespect to India, England. India, England is perhaps second now. Um, India, Australia, even in, I think Ravi Shastri also uh, uh, encouraged his troops by saying, you do well in Australia, everybody will remember you because he's done well in Australia. That's, that's his way of motivation. So uh, India, Australia, right at the top. Uh, and yes, we will never forget this. Uh, we, we've got a moment. We've got 2001, 2011 and uh, 2021. Every 10 years. Chaitan, brilliant stuff, mate. We will be reunited because, of course, uh, England will be in India very, very shortly. I think a couple of the advance party flying from England to India in the next couple of days. We'll touch base with, uh, with you on that. But enjoy and uh, go and get some sleep. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, pleasure. That was Chaitan Narilla, and uh, you're listening to The Cricket Collective. Myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison and Jarrah Kimber. And we will turn our attention uh, to England uh, in uh, the next uh, section of the show. It's full, it's down the ground. listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2 with myself, John Norman, uh, alongside Steve Harmison, member of the 2005 Greatest Ever Series, and uh, Jared Kimber, as we look back at uh, the 2021 version 
Um, wow, absolutely incredible scenes coming out of Brisbane and a fitting end. None of that uh, umpires walking out and knocking off the bales to signal a draw, meaning that uh, England had won the Ashes for the first time in a billion years. This was Rishabh Pant smashing um, one of the best bowlers in world cricket down the, down the ground for a four, seven wicket win. Thanks for coming. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Um, well, let's turn our attention, guys, to, uh, to India against England. It's a series that we will all be uh, bringing to the TalkSport 2 audience. Uh, the first test gets underway on the 5th of February. England, Jared, I'll start with you, Jared, if you don't mind, Steve. Jared, England will be, if they weren't fearful before, before the Australia series, their ta- the task ahead now, it, it does actually reach winning away in Australia kind of levels of difficulty. Yeah, I mean, the Sri Lanka series couldn't be at a better time for them to get a bit of a sighter against what is, well, I mean, they didn't even have to bowl in the first innings, did they? Poor Don Bessel, embarrassed taking a five-wicket haul. Um, and I, they, it was incredible honesty for him to, you know, sort of come out and go, I don't know how I took that five-wickets either. But, uh, you know, a really good practice. I think them getting Sri Lanka out in the second innings, everything was sort of setting up quite well. But this, yeah, put it this way, Ro- Rohit Chalmers, uh, I thought he did really well as an opener in the two tests in, Austra- in Australia. Uh, he's probably going to end up with an average of about 35. Um, he'll look like he's given away a bunch of starts, but I thought he was really positive. He put Australia on the back foot. Have a look at Rohit Sharma's record opening in India. If Rohit Sharma gets away in India, I, I don't even know what England can do to slow him down. He is such another otherworldly player. And he's a different batsman in India than he is everywhere else. And, you know, I, I would say he's a better batsman in India than Virat Kohli is. Um, he just isn't as good um, all re- as an all-round player. You know, and there's so many players like that. Like, I mean, Jadeja may not play in the series, but Jadeja's basically unpo- unplayable at India at times. Uh, you've got um, Ashwin, again, basically unplayable in India at, at many times. And the, the fast bowlers, when they do come back, guys like Ishan Sharma have turned into absolute superstars with, with the ball over there. And India has just been crushing teams. India have been playing at home the way that Australia used to play at home. It is a huge, huge thing. And now they've suddenly, uh, we now find out that they don't just have 14 or 15 good players. They have about 25. Yeah, and I, 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 I just look at the England side and think, well, England could harm themselves by potentially picking the wrong side, um, going in with the wrong balance of a, of a side because how loyal do they be to the, the, the Broad and Andersons? I personally think they've, they've somehow got to get Moen in this test match, even if it's batting at number seven and bowling 10, 15 overs in the test match over five days, if his health will allow it, because I think England are going to need Moen in... Uh, in India, be intrigued to see what sort of surfaces they play England on, whether they play on England on turning wickets, whether they've got any sort of any pace in them. Um, all that boils down. And because I think, I think Indian, gone of the day of Indian batsmen, not being able to play pace. I think if you, if you listen to what uh, Cheaton said there about the Indian players, Robert likes the ball to come on. He, he, he hits the ball well from not much foot movement inside the crease. Coley the same. They like pace on the ball to, to sort of score off. So uh, I'd imagine that there will be a little bit of pace in the in the pitch, and where where what the balance of England's side play? I think England's first two, one and two, give me a little bit of concern. Whether it's Burns, Sibley, Crawley, two of two of them, 
huge emphasis on Root, Root and Stokes to score big runs. But if Stokes has to score big runs, what sort of what sort of pressure does that put on his bowling when it comes to you know the the, the balance of the side? So I still think there's a load of question marks to go with with um, with the England side. But the one thing that England have got in their favour, and I think it's massively in their favour, a bit like what India had when they went to Australia. There's going to be no fans there. The atmosphere is not going to be the same. It's not going to be as pressurised. It's not going to be as cauldron-like. It's not going to be as loud. They're not going to be on top of you and in your face sort of uh, environment. So if England do get a little bit of a foothold in the series, then all of a sudden England will get confidence off the back of that. So I think all in all, it's about how England start, how England start with the ball, how England start with the bat and how England start the series. And I think if they get off to a good start, I think they've got, they've got a chance of causing a little bit of an upset. If they consistently be like what Australia were, two down for not very many, I can't see England getting any sort of result in, in India because we've seen, not only, it doesn't matter about the strength and depth that India have got. It's about, I think, looking at England, they've got to look at themselves. And I think picking the right side, having the right pace bowlers in, the right teams in the right balance of attacks, I think is huge. And that worries me more than anything else going to India as well as going to Australia. What about Virat Kohli, Jared? Because, of course, he would have been sitting back watching all this with probably conflicting emotions. <laughs> you know, he would have it would have hurt him enormously to have had to have left the team. I know he went for reasons that we completely understand for the birth of his child. But, you know, get, I, I really thought and felt for him, you know, he would have walked off the field in Adelaide embarrassed and hurt and angry. And then he would have left his team. You know, he would have flown away. That is the last thing any professional sports person wants to do. Then he sits back and watches the guy that came in for him score, you know, one of the great innings in test recent test history, one that would never be forgotten by India, and then go on and win a series. It could go one of two ways, couldn't it? But you just got the feeling he's going to want to get out there and get he, – he wants to get out onto that field and get the glory back, really, and – it could be England that really, really suffer. If not Rohit, um, then it could well be Coley doling out the pain. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's one of those hyper-competitive players. Like not all, especially in cricket, we don't get as many of those as maybe you get in some of the other ball sports where everything is about dominating and winning. I mean, Ricky Ponting's probably the best one, but, you know, if anyone watched The Last Dance, have a look at Virat Kohli. He's got that kind of incredible appetite um, to put himself in the right position. Interestingly enough, India looked like they played better under Rahane, who was not like that at all. Rahane is a really intelligent cricketer and always has been clearly not as good as um, Kohli. I think, I don't know if Rahane's record is still the same, but up until recently, I think he was averaging more away from home than at home. No one does that anymore. That's not even a thing. It's just a really level-headed player. I remember seeing him in Durham. Um, in a, he opened in a one-day game and he's not a white ball player and not an opener opened in a one-day game and the ball was zipping around everywhere. And I watched him for 10 minutes and went, who is this guy? Where did they find this guy? And so, you know, that will be interesting. The way that they get their balance back will be really, really interesting. If, if Coley actually takes anything from this and goes, okay, there's more than one way to beat teams. Because I think if there's any, you know, at times, there's almost that flint-off thing with Coley. I remember when Coley dominated Australia at the Adelaide Test what two three tours back now um and i remember thinking he's got to find a way to get everyone else to to rise up around him it can't just be him which is what happened to michael jordan as well 
Coley hopefully has watched that and can bring this out. What I saw from this series is a potential for a 20-year run for Indian cricket. We know they have the players. We know they have the finances. Uh, it's ridiculous already that they aren't better than they are. I, I was thinking this morning, I don't know why, but do you remember Nasser Hussain called their fielders donkeys? What was that, about five, six years ago in England? Would you? Did you see some of the athletes that now play for India? Like, they are a phenomenally different team. And, and then you watch, you watch Washington Sundar, who hasn't played against fast bowling outside of India, who hasn't played a first-class game in a 1,000 games, hooking Pat Cummins for six. You know, when India first came into Test cricket, their biggest problem was when people bowled fast at them, they would back away. Things have changed so much in Indian cricket. And if Virat Kohli is smart, he will maybe slightly change his, maybe his attitude to captaincy, not his attitude to batting, but his attitude to captaincy, and actually will be able to harness what is the biggest beast we've ever had in cricket. Two small things on, on Kohli. One, realising what his team can do. Mm. That would be huge for him. And two, this little break, we've just seen what world-class players get rejuvenated after a little break, what it did for Joe Root. If this has done the same for Joe, for, for Virat Kohli, England in for a long four-test matches. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I tell you what, I think it was... Uh, well, we were talking to uh, to Chayton. He was talking about 2001, 20 years since uh, that famous series. It must be, was it 2002 that India last beat England in England? It's been a while, either way. But we talk about India beating England in India as looking something approaching a formality, although you would have said that about Australia against <laughs> India four tests ago. So uh, I'm not saying anything. But what is it about Australia? 2001, 2005... 2021, um, they all seem to lose the greatest series, don't they? Uh, maybe, maybe it's just buys and whatever. That's our gift to cricket for all the winning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, go well, Jared. Thank you so much, mate. We'll uh, we'll be in touch, Harmy. Um, I'll see you at the end of the week. You're back down doing breakfast on Friday um, uh, with the second Test match, Sri Lanka and England uh, getting underway. Early doors Friday. More early starts for myself and you. You could have a bit of a break, Jared. Uh, but for now, uh, thanks for listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final... You can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.